0: Scripture reading this morning is from Titus chapter 1. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began and at the proper time, manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior, to Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father, and Christ Jesus our Savior. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church, and um, praise God. Um, for the preaching gifts of our pastor, Amari Hill, who delivered a serious word from the Lord last week. And the week before that, our newest assistant pastor, uh, Reverend Josh Kim, who preached for us, um, as we explored um, the time after the resurrection of Jesus. As Pastor Kim put it, the day after, did after he rose from the grave, as a result of his rising, from the grave. Now what, if you will, right? And a couple of weeks ago, we got a brief look at what happened next in Acts the second chapter when God the Holy Spirit came into believers and moved them to go out into the world per Jesus's command and be and start communities of faith and spread the gospel and change this world. That coming of the Holy Spirit on the followers of, of Christ in Jerusalem that day is called Pentecost. And a number of Jews on, on religious pilgrimage to the city were there, there were, were witnesses of this Pentecost. And, and a number of them became believers, thousands. And among the newly converted witnesses was a group of Jews from the island of Crete. Which sits in the Mediterranean Sea, almost equal distance between Greece and Turkey and, and north of Africa. And these Jews uh, from Crete who received saw what happened and became witnesses of of, what, of, Jesus's, of the faith in Jesus Christ, they, they obviously went back and began teaching and, and spreading their newfound faith on the island, setting up communities of faith in different places. But without a whole lot of direct guidance from the disciples and the apostles at that time, from the original leaders of the church on an island grounded in Greek mythology with a culture known for deception and piracy and hustling, these followers of Jesus, after years of being out there, began to spiral down into it and knotted themselves up into a A real spiritual dysfunction and anemia as individuals and as a church. And it is the Apostle Paul, right, in this book of Titus, apostle meaning someone who was specially authorized by Jesus to write scripture and then build the foundation of what we know today as a church as what we know as Christianity. It was Paul who, after visiting Creed on a couple of occasions, writes this letter filling the prescription for spiritual dysfunction. Like like some kind of a Apostolic spiritual primary care physician and pharmacist who who diagnoses the problem and gives the course of treatment to be dealt up by a son in the ministry, Titus, who's the pastor there, to these churches. This ain't breaking bad. This is breaking good, right? This is God-given primary care for our souls. Diagnosing. Diagnosing. And then writing and sending a prescription for us and our churches as a booster for some in this book of Titus, and, and a vaccination and antidote for those suffering. Many of you in here, pretty church city, you know, who've suffered from a rash of uh, bad uh, spiritual leadership and confusing church experiences and spiritual isolation. Well, Paul offers primary spiritual health care through these teachings here. The teachings we'll begin to look at through the book of Titus. You know what the Hippocratic Oath is? Not as in hypocrite, right? Uh, But as in the Greek physician Hippocrates, the father of modern medicine who came up with an oath for doctors to swear to and has survived over the years and been modernized from its classical Greek form. And it is several paragraphs long, but it is the ethic and and promise behind all doctors are called to do, to be entrusted with the lives and health of people. And I took portions and phrases of the modern modern version to share with you. It's just little, little phrases from it says this, I will swear to fulfill to the best of my ability and judgment this covenant. I will respect the hard-won scientific gains of those physicians in whose steps I walk and gladly share such knowledge as is mine with those who are to follow. Goes on to say, I will apply for the benefit of the sick all measures that are required. I will not be ashamed to say I don't know, or that I do know, nor will I fail to call in my colleagues when the skills of another are needed for a patient's recovery. I will prevent disease whenever I can, for, for prevention is preferable to cure. If I do not violate this oath, may I enjoy life and art respected while I live and remembered with affection thereafter. May I always act so as to preserve the finest traditions of my calling, and may I long experience the joy of healing those who seek my help. This introduction of Titus, these first introductory verses to the book of Titus, it's like the Hippocratic Oath for the primary care of our souls through the words of the Apostle Paul, which are the words of God to us, given so that we can trust what he is about to tell us in the body of this letter as being good for us. Because as we go through this book, let me go and tell you, there will be some difficult for us to trust and believe treatments that we need for our personal and communal faith, that we need to be a healthy church. And so Paul, speaking the words of God, is like this primary care physician who knows you and is for your spiritual health and survival. And and all that he does and all that he will, right, and and all that he is, he promises, he oaths, he vows before God that by these words, three things we're going to look at today. Vows this. And what we'll get in this book as we go through it. He vows that you would live in the faith, number one. Secondly, that you will live with the knowledge of the truth. And finally, that you would live in the hope of eternal life. The faith, the knowledge of the truth, the hope. Of eternal life. The apostle says in verse 1 that God wrote these words through him, right? For the sake of the faith. By saying the faith of God's elect, it says here, the apostle is not trying to get us into an argument about predestination. He is saying, I am writing this for you. On this island, uh, in Crete, in your faith here in Charlotte, all disconnected and discombobulated, right? I am writing this for you to be connected, to reconnect to the story of faith that we see in the Bible. The history and and story of God and people he has decided to have relationships with, to be his people. People he's decided to be his children, his bride, his loved one. And it is this story that is the faith. That Paul is committed, the scripture is committed to connecting and reconnecting people who who have lost their way or or may feel spiritually deserted and without spiritual heritage to connect them back to this and to this for the first time in their lives. The faith in large part refers to the narrative, y'all. The the spiritual current, the spiritual tides, the eternal saga that if you become a believer, you are and become a part of that the story of the Bible, these words within become your words. The words he's about to give in this letter in the book of Titus, they are for you. This is your father speaking to you. This is your letter, right? For spiritual dysfunction. And, you know, and for those who are in spiritual dysfunction, don't you understand that you are simply have been simply drifting in the meta-narrative of God without knowing the Lord or, or recognizing God as your Lord and Father? Paul is saying. Coming to the faith means the God of all the Bible and creation becomes a part of your spiritual heritage and your spiritual inheritance. Where in this story, you become a key character, a family member in the multiverse of God's relationship with people where you connect and engage it instead of just watching and being carried along ignorantly by it. I must admit, I'm amazed at the marvel. Empire, comic books, and now the movies. When you have three main, is it three Avenger movies or four? four. The, of the Avengers now, I'm not talking about them individual joints. Four. four. See? I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you have four main Avenger movies where you see all the superheroes together. And then in between these group films, you get these individual stories, right? That connect into the mind and message of the late, great Stan Lee. Well, if any of these individual heroes or stories, right, in this latest installment of the the movie version of the Avengers didn't connect, right, didn't come together in a single storyline of some sort, don't you understand their individual movies would be a flop? it would be impossible for us to suspend our disbelief to, to, to have faith without the connection and synthesis with the main themes and ethic of the big story. And it makes sense that the apostles calling these Cretians to, to, to faith, seeing that they were literally out on an island for three decade, decades trying to live it out mainly on their own. They had grown dysfunctional by creating their own spiritual heritage and their own ideas about how the story goes. Don't you understand? It is impossible for you and me to be faithful if our lives are not connected, our our spiritual lives don't find rooting and grounding in the bigger story of the faith of God's elect we see in this Bible. In our spiritual dysfunction, we... Without being connected spiritually or or to the whole story or to the people of the story in the church, if you will, in this community of faith, your stories have no home, right? You're, You're like a one chapter, one volume faction, right? Could you imagine a zombie movie with just one zombie? It would be a flop. I wouldn't watch the one zombie thriller right? A zombie's a horde, right? Okay, we're not getting into that. But your show, right? Your personal faith, your spirituality that you've created on your own, just floating out there with no big narrative that God has given you, the creator has given to you, right? Like any show like that would be in risk of being lost or canceled or discouraged or failed or faulty, this faith and, 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 and spiritual, spiritual life gets impossible to believe in, and God gets harder to trust in, and we get all twisted and weird and can't live it, live it out because we are not connected to it. and live in a community of faith, the church that in turn connects itself to the Bible, to that story, to that narrative, to that God that always has been, to this living faith story of God's love and salvation and relationship with broken people like you and me. And I emphasize living. Because apostles are not talking about just doing the Christian version of Ancestry.com, right? No, the faith is not just dead people, but about a living God, right? Who is calling us out of spiritual dysfunction into a living faith. In the last Endgame movie, no, ain't no spoilers. Y'all don't have to beat me up. I heard somebody, like, came out of the movie acting stupid at this movie theater, and they, like, blurted out all the spoilers, and he, they beat him down, right? Because like, pe- people were in the line. They already paid their money, and someone come up, blah, 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 this person died, blah, 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 Right? So no, no need to rush the stage. I know y'all will, too. I get so many emails if I create a spoiler, right? Again, I can say something word, wrong about the Word of God, no emails. Spoil, end game, plenty of emails. <laughs> right? So, what I'm gonna say is not a spoiler because it's true in all Marvel movies, right? So, it's true in this one. Stan Lee is in every one of the movies making a cameo appearance, which reminded me that it wasn't just the end game for the Avengers movies. But end game for Stan Lee's multiverse. Because he's dead now. But Paul is saying, look at this, look at this progression. And I could, wow, I can read all of our scripture today. It's so short. This is so unlike Pastor Brown, right? <laughs> but when you begin to do epistles, I'm just gonna give you insight. When you do epistles like, like these little books, it's almost like it's a dense thing, right? Like when it's longer, oftentimes uh, the ideas are spread out, right? No, Titus, like these little books, these long sentences Paul writes, I hadn't spent this much time studying in a long time, okay? So that's why I'm only taking four verses, and the sermon's gonna be just as long, okay? (laughs) Okay, it says, Paul, a servant of God, and apostle of Jesus Christ for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness and hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our sa- Savior to Titus, my true child, and a common faith, grace, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, I read it kind of fast, but there's a progression there. This story... This faith, this belief in God, by God's initiation to humankind, was planned before the ages began. What ages? Before any age you ever lived in. Right? Be- be- before any was and you and were, before you were, and-, and, that never, and that it never ended and continues. Right? From age to age. In other words, the faith, our relationship with God, lives with him. Do you get that? And and it it didn't die with Moses and Noah and and them when they died, right? But so when we see their stories and recognize they die, that story, that faith, that movement of God in the lives of human beings that we read about in Scripture, it did not die with those he worked with. To, in those that we see in the Bible stories. But Paul is saying it continues in the resurrected Lord. And now the same faith, the same work of God is alive and active to connect our lives. I know it's hard to believe. Because I read the Bible, I'm like, look a homeboy walking on water. Or look look at, look at him opening the sea and hitting the rock and water coming out of it, right? And, 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 and frogs jumping all over the place. It just, it's just, that ain't me, right? No aim isn't me, but it's the same God, right? Witnessing Jesus walking around and like I preach, catching fish for you and, and cooking it for you, right? All of that, the, the, that's great, but he, that ain't our story. No, it's not the exact story, but it's the same Savior because he lives and so faith is alive, Because he is alive, right? And and, and God, he's able to connect to our lives and change our broken and sinful spiritual dysfunction and bring spiritual health to us. So we're not trying to read a dead story and make it live, right? Like they went back and look at Stan Lee's old comic books. Hey, we're going to make a movie based on what he wrote. Too bad Stan can't be here to help us, right? No, And so when we consider that our spiritual dysfunction comes out of a lack of continuity and connection to the faith, it makes sense why Paul follows living the faith with the second part of his spiritual primary care for those Cretans and for us, living in the knowledge of the truth. Look again at verse 1, Paul, a servant of God and apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect, we talked about that, and their knowledge of the truth which accords with Godliness. I'm going to stop right there. Now, nah. CBD. Uh-oh, controversial. I'm going to have to keep talking, right? So CBD is the latest health craze out there for many of y'all. I see y'all on that long line at Earth Fair waiting for them to open that thing with the key. And I admit, kind of like, hey, you know, we don't know what's going on. You know, you get the, the real cool earthy person opening the thing up, explaining. Anyway, just keep going. And, and I admit, Kelly and I went to one of those CBD stores right here on Central Avenue. And also, admittedly, it was not our scene, y'all. We have never been cannabisites, Never, right? Recreationally or medicinally. But we were like, hey, everybody's talking about it. You know, it's Central Avenue. Good witness. Let's go see what's going on. You having a hard time sleeping? Me too. You got pain? Me too. Nerve issues? Let's go. I got to see what this is about, right? And we we're listening to this dude. He got the big, you got the shirt with the reefer, like plant on it, leaf. Everybody got a hat, a tattoo with weed on it, something. They got the little bud, They got everything in there. I didn't even grow up in a drug culture. I never even smoked weed in my life. But I'm looking around thinking, man, this must be the way it is, right? Gummy beers and honey and popcorn and, you know, uh, brownies. Some of the stuff y'all already familiar with, many of you. He talks about how it can help with sleep and certain pain. And you anxious? Of course I'm anxious, right? Anxieties. And, and then I came out thinking, this must be the miracle drug. And then later, I looked up these articles online, written by MDs on CBD and spoke to my own doctor. And there are all kinds of contrary statements, y'all, and how it's not regulated or completely tested by the FDA. And you might be getting that suggestive placebo effect. This stuff will really work. And it's all kind of sneaky. And if you, you know, when you do something sneaky and, hey, man, the man, the man don't want you to know about this, right? And you take it, you're like, yeah, I feel bad already. But you don't, you don't know. I just gave you sugar pill, right? (laughs) I feel, oh my God, I, I never felt this before. I'm free, I got it, this, 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 and then you go tell others and it spreads, yeah, right? You don't know how much, they say, you don't know how much CBD you're actually paying for. There's no regulation paying high prices for, and that stuff's expensive. And, and you, it could be a lie, and then the next article about how the government and pharmaceutical companies are trying to suppress the truth and oppress us from doing our own natural medication, that kind of gets you going, right? And it's medicinal effect because if you open up a market that will kill their profits and, and you know, they won't like that. And this article and that article, and the same is true for most almost everything, right? Remember food? When, when, when eating a big piece of meatloaf was good for you? Is fat good or is fat bad? We can split the room in half like Democrats and Republicans. We'll be split down the middle, Right? Are carbs good or are carbs bad? Are grains good or grains bad? Is keto good or keto bad, right? Is bacon good? Delicious, but good or bad? Is aspirin good or bad? And then you've got the pharmaceutical companies. Man, you know this is a mess. They're trying to control stuff. You know, it's a conspiracy. You know what we call that information? Knowledge. You have knowledge about a lot of things, especially in a social media age. Data and words and theories processed by your receptors cognitively and emotionally, and in some cases spiritually, and based on whether we believe, we take faith in it or not. Right, so we will determine how and whether we act on it or that action will have a negative or positive effect on us in some way. So you read, you get some knowledge, you're like, yep, I believe that. I'm going to start smoking this. I'm going to start drinking this. I'm going to stop eating this. And then, you know, you take faith in it. You're feeling good about yourself. You live in the faith. And then in the end, who knows? You go to your doctor. Uh, Something ain't right with your blood work. Right, go get that job. Um, Something's showing up. Is it poppy seeds? What's going on? Yeah, it's poppy seed bagels, right? Well, I'm skipping around up here. <laughs> it's poppy seeds. Okay, so, too much coffee. All right, so, and Paul, so it, it, it's, it's information, right? It's knowledge. But listen to what the scripture says. And Paul knows that this applies to the spiritual lives of people in, in, in Crete. In our lives. That they have heard and have knowledge of things that have determined and caused unhealthy behavior and actions and spirituality that Paul recognizes. But Paul adds this in his gospel Hippocratic oath, right? That he is committed that they get the knowledge of what? Y'all see it? The knowledge of the truth. Ah, there it is. The difference. Not just knowledge not just information, not just spiritual clickbait, right, that leads you on an unhealthy, wasteful wormhole of unfillable expectations, but truth. And that knowing that truth, the truth, will lead to godliness, a.k.a. spiritual health and faith. But think about the flip side then. The knowledge of lies or guesses, or your imaginations, or personal caffeine-induced, the seminary and theology of Facebook and Instagram, right? Man, the stuff I read on there, right? Well, God said this, and God told me, man, please, right? Or just making truth out of your personal desires and feelings. I do it all the time. I feel so confident about something. I feel so good about something. I feel so convinced and I fill my life with the knowledge of something that isn't completely true. And then that's why Paul says it leads to godliness when you know the truth. But think about what lies lead to. Sometimes we just are convinced by what's popular. Everybody's doing it. It may produce spiritual side effects and complications and will not only bring dysfunction to your life, but as many of you have seen, noticed, and experienced dysfunction within the churches. You know how hard it is to try to make sure you do things in a worship service or in a church with the knowledge of the truth? Let me tell y'all, I got like a million feelings about the way I want things to go, many of which are gonna benefit me directly, right? And my friends, right? And those things are the things that cause lies and doctrines and theologies that aren't right but came out of the personal desire or some falsehood of one or two people. Speaking of health, you know, that WebMD knowledge? When you read, you got a little bump on your arm, right? And you go to WebMD, man, I'm going to die, right? A mosquito bite just became some really bad disease that nobody knows about, and my doctor missed, right? You know, I got a ticket, and um, so I got to go to court, whatever. And I started surfing in that. What if you get this kind of ticket for speeding? And I was like, oh, Lord, I'm going to jail, right? <laughs> Amari, Josh, y'all gonna be preaching a lot, because I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be in jail. Just sort of make it like the Apostle Paul, if you will, like in chains for Christ or something. But, <laughs> It was, I was trying to get to be with church people. And so that's how I got caught speeding. I was doing the work of God. But the first thing my lawyer said when I call him, like, look, I read online and they said this and that. And then he said, don't listen to that stuff. I know the law. I got you. And so by declaring this in verse one, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, just a little bit, Paul is saying and vowing and promising, I am a servant of God. The one who, God, the one who made your soul, the great physician. I am not here to tell you what I think. And in some translations, he is a slave and servant and apostle of God. I am here to do and tell and give you what the Lord thinks. This isn't my blog or my podcast. No, I simply post what God has written and revealed for you to see. That's what the Bible is. In fact, saying the faith, he is saying that is what the whole Bible is. And the words and prescriptions and directions that I'm about to write you, they're going to be kind of hard, are truth and not a lie from God and not me and mere men. But as slaves and apostles of God, I am writing you truth that you may have knowledge of so that you could live in spiritual health. says God promises and does not lie. You know why he writes that? And we'll get into it more later. But in Greek mythology, um, and there's some Zeus mythology on, on Crete, um, stuff that I was studying about. Man, you start studying that stuff, you'd be getting deep, right? Because I like the Greek mythology stories. But, but apparently Zeus hung out on this island, and he made his way on this island as a man because he lied to people. It's just, we'll get into it. But and Greek mythology embraced by many of the Cretans and seeping into the faith, into the church, was the idea that Greek gods were basically enhanced men, right? They were X-Men, right? Humans. And so they would use their powers to deceive and persuade and straight-up lie. Paul is saying, I say for God, who does not lie. That would have been rare for them to hear. Hey Paul, there's a God that does not lie? Yeah, the God. Not one of your little Zeus folk who lie a lot, right? Or, or do the wrong thing, right? Who, who, who try to, you know, have a, let me just put it this way, have a date with some of the earth human women and he t- lies to them so he can, you know, get, get along with the date, you know, but <laughs> I have a God who is the truth and can only tell the truth. The truth for living healthy and holy with the H and the WH, holy. And he's saying this letter, this whole book, this whole story of God's work through history and in Jesus Christ is that promised truth. What can I say, y'all? Here it is. In black and white, the knowledge of the truth, y'all. Here it is. As Paul says, coming through the preaching of the word, the knowledge of the truth in the ministry of the church. So you and I can, can stop living harmful to ourselves and to others, non-truths and untruths and lies. If you're believing lies, it comes out in your life. Which means even believers don't always work in the knowledge of the full truth. Or otherwise, you would have a completely godly life. Paul is saying, we keep digging into this word. We keep following lines of correction and discipline and discipleship and growth and learning the knowledge of truth because it definitely affects how we live. And we will peel that onion as we go through Titus and and as you go through your various community groups and get all deep and start crying and all that. That's good stuff. When you peel an onion, you cry. That's good. Some of you are in gatherings and Bible studies. But something else doesn't lie. The way you live your life. What does it say? Is it true? Is it consistently godly? Let me answer for you, no. You need the God who does not lie to speak to you in consistent ways. All the time. But Paul does not stop with knowledgeable and good behavior and living right and true. A lot of people do that. He says that he promises to be care for them based on this final piece, the hope of eternal life. Which means being in the faith, the knowledge about the truth, and then the resultant good behavior or godliness, hear this, is not the end of spiritual health. Isn't it amazing that... Um, I don't just we talk about that word small s spirituality, and people assume that somehow they can gain full spiritual life and health here based on what they can do, based on what pose they can get to, some of us, based on what foods and additives and nitrates and things we don't eat in our lives, right? Based on how honest we are with each other, based on how incredibly we are in the social justice world, like, like, like somehow that's the end of it. But Paul says, no, the end of it is the hope of what? Eternal life, not just a good life. And when I say good life, eternal life, we are not just talking about measurement and quantity and time, living forever, that's great. We understand that heaven, oh, wow. But quality, y'all, finally getting the fulfillment of life that has no bottom on it, right? That morally and, and relationally all being perfect and good within ourselves and between each other and between us and our creator and in our environment and our world and our communities and having that be so forever and ever with an amen on top of it, right? That's the goal. Paul is saying and vowing that God's primary care through him will not abandon the people in Crete. Crete, That God's work in their lives and in the life of people in the faith is not done until we all get there and become that, that eternal life promises. That everything in the gospel... And the message, the ministry of the gospel is designed to take us there into eternal life. And Paul is saying we live the faith and live in the knowledge of truth like God has promised that and cannot lie. That we are one day going to be completely whole and completely healed and completely functional. You know what I love when they, after a football season or or after a basketball season or or after any kind of team season where the the team wins a championship, right? They always say, that was a team of destiny. And they go back and they show games or situations where they should have lost and they didn't. Right, One, like A ball goes off somebody's helmet, and it lands in somebody's hand, and they fall in the end zone like an accidental touchdowns, a bad call by the ref that got you to victory, and they say, that was a team of destiny. I love going back and watching old games from the 15-0 season, right? Especially the ones we almost lost. I watched the Syracuse game like 10 times because we were supposed to lose that game. Quarterback got knocked out, they ahead, they feeling good, they feeling hot. Somehow we won. And I'm like, we're a team of destiny. But what if I were to tell you that you are a people of destiny before your life is even done? This is what the scripture is saying. How would you live life if you knew you were people of a eternal life destiny? And so he's given a prescription for that path, for those on that destination. So in that hope, the hope of eternal life, and not based on what you can see on our failures, because you're still in the second quarter, y'all. Some of y'all in the third quarter, some of you in the fourth quarter. It doesn't matter whether there's two, three, four seconds left, and you're behind by three touchdowns in the fourth and 20. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that your best player has fouled out. Sometimes it don't matter if you fouled out. Somehow, some way, Paul is saying, I will keep preaching the word of God because somehow God is promising you are going to make it we don't give up in the faith and we don't run away from seeking the knowledge of truth and living for godly lives because we know what it will mean and what we are doing is not for nothing, but for the day when we will see Christ and we will be like him and we will have perfect, perfect love and harmony and peace, right? Eternal life is being given as a promise to those in the faith right now. And look how eternal life is promised. And at the proper time, it says in verse 3, manifested in his word through the preaching of which with which I have been entrusted by the command of God my Savior. Sorry, verse 2, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. You know what this means? God is making, making, and has taken an oath to work for the spiritual care and perfecting of our souls. God's made an oath, y'all, to heal and fix all of our abuses. He's promising to fix all of our ignorance. He's promising to fix all that we have missed. He's promising to fix all that has kept us back from being us. And and he's promising that for right now, based on a vow, according to Paul, that he made before the ages, before you even demonstrated faith or bad faith or good faith or failure or success. He promised those who were his elect that they're going to get there. In fact, even failure in churches, man, no church is perfect. Sometimes I look around, I'm like, we ain't going to make it. We failed. So many lives, so many broken situations, so many. You know how you set out and you're like, I'm going to be this kind of husband. I'm going to be this kind of wife. We're going to be this kind of family. And you're going to have this picture. And it don't work out like that. But God is saying, it's going to work out like this. He's going to save us. In fact, the last line of the classical old school Greek Hippocratic Oath says this. Oh, it's so awesome. Now, if I carry out this oath and break it not, may I gain forever reputation among all men for my life and for my art. But if I break it and forswear myself, may the opposite befall me. The Lord is promising eternal life to those in faith and betting on himself. He's putting it on his truthfulness, his faithfulness, his good, his honor, his never leaving or forsaking us to our own brokenness as individuals in a church. And so he is batting and, and, and putting the, the onus on himself. You can be assured that all the instruction and faith and direction we see in this book and in the Bible and his ability to create godliness and grace and peace out of and for us is bound in his character as a never lying God who can make it happen. God is so confident, y'all, in delivering his promise to us that we will one day have eternal life as we live the faith and walk in the knowledge of truth that he has put his reputation on our behavior. What? (laughs) They're going to be all right. See? You mean you're a bad kid? God got a bunch of bad kids. It's y'all, right? Right? And sometimes y'all good kids, sometimes. And God is walking around like the proudest parent on earth. Right? You you, you ain't even made the honor roll, right? You ain't even, you, you in detention a lot. And he got the sticker on his car. I got an honor student. How? God is not deceived. God is not a liar, right? God's not fooled by you. God is confident in his grace and peace for your soul. Now you can ride in that car, honor student. Everybody looking at you. That bad kid ain't no honor student. You know, if our, our boys do good in school. So if they get a bad grade, we, we talk to them like, wait, uh-uh. That ain't you. As long as you live in this house, that ain't where you're headed either right? That that, that ain't going to be you. Straighten up now, right? God is saying, if you and his, he looks at our brokenness and say, that ain't going to be you. Hear this last line of the Hippocratic oath. But if I break it and forswear myself, may the opposite befall me. God takes so seriously our spiritual perfection, our peace, our perfection, our, our being perfect, perfectly godly in eternal life, that knowing the only way we wouldn't get there is if we broke our vows. If we failed to be faithful. If we failed to apply the knowledge of truth, This is what he did to secure the promise. He sent Jesus. So as the oath says, our spiritual dysfunction... And sin befall him so that not even us would stop God from giving us eternal life, eternal love, and eternal peace. That's grace. I don't want to believe it. In fact, uh, we have a financial planner. We call him Hound because he never stops chasing us. He's like the, the, the most diligent insurance financial guy you ever know. Hey, you ready to meet? Oh, wow. I got, three day, I got three dates already in these times. Like, you can't be like, I can't. No, no he's got like seven days, 24 hours to meet with you. <laughs> Talk about benefits and insurance and financial goodies. An improvement that is yours. Giving instructions and advice about your money. And sometimes I don't want to listen. I don't want to meet, I don't want to hear instructions. Because he asked me questions that reveal lapses in my stuff. Howard, did, did, did you take that extra money and put it on this? Um, I got a fishing rod, or something like that. I don't know. I put cheese on my burger, I don't know. I got extra, lo- I got it ex- super size, I don't know. Howard, well, if you know, if you don't put cheese on your burger, that's thirty cents. Put that in your blah 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 blah. Okay. <laughs> and I see the picture of that burger. I'm gonna get the cheese. <laughs> I don't like talking to him because he asks me these questions and my heart drops. And so when I see his name or his email, I'm like, mm mm. <laughs> I don't have good news. I ate a lot of cheeseburgers this month. I don't even like going to the doctor sometimes unless, you know. Y'all know y'all go to the dentist, y'all brush your teeth and floss before you go, be like, shh. shh, shh." Do you floss? Yes. But why your gums so bloody? Why they so swollen? First time floss ever touched them things, right? The dentist knows. Our lives, our spiritual lives, our church and churches are dysfunctional, unhealthy mess sometimes. But Paul is saying God is the hound of heaven. Because his grace and love for you and me, as he says, grace and peace to you in Christ. His promise to make us right and deliver on the benefits that are ours in Christ. Christ, many that we have failed to behave well with, does not end your failure. Because you know what he's calling to tell you? You took your benefits and you squandered much. You failed. All these benefits are yours and you didn't take advantage of them. Grace and peace to you through Christ Jesus. He paid into your benefits. An eternal life, that ultimate retirement is yours that's what you get when you get into the word yeah it's gonna be a little heartache i promise you when we go through titus you're gonna be like no any part of the bible when i you know gospel is we're sinners right that's the first part we got to get through that y'all everybody in this room is sinners but jesus god is a redeemer and lover of sinners and he pays into their squandered accounts The gracious, loving God of heaven is the primary caregiver for our spiritual dysfunction. And God, in Christ Jesus himself, through his son, promises us the faith, the results of the knowledge of the truth and the truth, and eternal life. Let us go forward in our faith, whether you ever come back to hear another book of Titus or hear the rest of the chapters. Go forward if you're in Christ Jesus. If you're not in Christ Jesus, you're just, you just floating. Wouldn't you love to have that kind of primary care for your soul? One whose prescriptions and diagnosis will not fail you, and regardless of how, what shameful things he finds within, he promises he'll deal with it. Come to Christ today, y'all. Some of you believers, come back. I know there's been a lot of dysfunction. Need Need not be shamed. God promised that he does not lie. Grace and peace to you through Christ Jesus. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you care for our souls. Oh, we live in a lot of lies. It's so difficult. Lots of clickbait out there for our souls, and we've taken it, and we still follow on it. Lord, help us out, out of shame that would keep us in condemnation that would keep us from hearing from you. Yes, Lord, in your scripture, you reveal so many of the same mistakes we've made and continue to make. But Lord, the hope for us isn't how we perform. Help us to recognize. It's the hope of your eternal life which you alone give and promise. I pray, Lord, grace and peace to come through Christ Jesus for everyone here. It's in his name I pray.